Welcome to Always See Everything, the movie podcast where we review, riff on, and rank every film in the Criterion Collection. I'm Anthony, and this is the man from that one beer commercial, Sean. What's up? This is a very special episode that exists outside of all the, the other original, episodes. The Cradle of Civilization, they're calling this episode. This is the episode zero to sort of establish what we're doing here. Why should you listen to Always See Everything, the greatest movie podcast of all time? It's kind of the birth by sleep. Um, for all the Kingdom Hearts fans, because I think that that makes it a lot easier to understand than really anything else. Like you think of any kind of prologue, any kind of prequel, you know, you think, oh, that's a classic birth by sleep style scenario. So hopefully that's helpful for you. Or session zero if it's D&D. But, you know, I will make a lot of D&D metaphors on this podcast. So maybe maybe we'll keep you with your little video game reference. The Criterion Collection was was something that I have always uh, been very interested in because it is being used as sort of the canon of great films and because of that i've always been fascinated uh looking into it as someone who wants to be a film critic and so when i i I came up with the idea for this podcast and i approached sean for it because sean i know has a very different uh cinematic palette than i do and i wanted a different type of guy i'm a maverick i'm a rogue mind i'll be goose that's fine i'll die in the beginning Oh, I wasn't even going for that. But you know what? That's okay. And so I chose Sean to to join me on this journey because uh, I knew he'd have a very unique perspective. And so that's why uh, – that's how Always See Everything kind of started. Sean, what is your relationship to the Criterion Collection? The very first time I ever purchased a Criterion product was um, – I think it was like six or so years ago at this point. To give you an insight into the type of person I was at that moment – um, I was starting to get really into the concept of music because of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So when I went to a record store in Boston, my first purchase was uh, Jethro Tull's Aqualung on vinyl, um, which I still never played because why the fuck would you play that? I was just <laughs> getting it because I thought it was cool. But my additional purchase there was Seven Samurai. Hmm. And to this day, that's still the only one that I own. Because I don't, I'm not a collector. I don't like physical media. I don't like clutter. But I, I guess this is all to say that I am, uh, I have kind of like a tangential relationship to the concept of of Miss, Mr. Criterion's collection or Mr. Mm. Collection's Criterion, whatever we've decided the character's name is. Because I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm skeptical in general about the concept of canon. I, I feel like it is valuable in a way. Like if we're talking about, you know, the literary sort of the great works and everything there, I think the value is less that these are the most goodest of any type of of medium, more so than these are the ones that that allow for a collective experience where yes, there's something for everybody to touch on and experience for themselves. And then we can have a conversation about it. You don't have to like it, but you can think that it fucking sucks, but the fact that there's a conversation pre-made for you to enter into, I, I think is what makes it a little bit nice. And that is 100% why I so badly wanted to accomplish this goal of watching every single 
movie in the Criterion Collection. It's because I have such a I have such a completist attitude when it comes to cinema. I want to be the guy who, if you approach me and you're like, oh, this is my favorite movie, then I can have a conversation with you about it. The collection has such a widespread reach into eras and uh, countries and languages that I would not encounter without looking through the collection itself, that I would not be able to to engage with if it wasn't for the fact that I could readily buy the Criterion Blu-ray or whatever. It's interesting because film's a young medium, right? It's the new up-and-comer on the, well, not anymore. Mm -hmm. I guess that'd be video games, right? But it's a lot younger, at least, than literature. And with literature, you have, okay, what what has been canonized? Well, it's probably the things that they made you read in high school or that Mm -hmm. is in every library or that are taught in every university. Film doesn't really have that. Like, it, it hasn't been accepted so much as both entertainment but also high art that can enrich your soul by experiencing it that you know if you there are plenty of books that you'll read in class to actually learn but if you're watching a movie in class you're either in film school going into you know six-figure debt you know to to learn (laughs) how to how to shoot something so that it looks purple to represent emotions or your substitute teacher drank a little bit too much last night and she needs she needs some help and and you end up with like the historical film that you have to like watch because it's like oh this teaches us about whatever amistad or something that's why criterion interests me so much is because it is a it is sort of your teacher recommending a movie to you and saying this is part of your education whether you like it as what what i may not think it's the greatest movie of all time or my teacher may not think it's the greatest movie of all time but this is important for for your education it's a box you gotta check i'm, I'm similar there but i'm i feel like i'm a little bit more skeptical of it i mean i know you've got your own kind of skepticisms there i'm not yeah of course uncritically engaging with it but i think that uh for me it's it's a little bit weird that the canon is dictated by you know this this private company who is just sort of um i i don't know i don't want to say that their their selections are kind of arbitrary because i think they've got a lot of good picks but i mean ultimately they're what they can restrict is limited by their own perspectives, their own biases, you know, the fact that they have to physically acquire the financial rights to a lot of movies kind of bottlenecks it. So it's just a very different thing. And it makes me kind of think of, okay, if we have a young medium and we're trying to establish a canon of it, then Mm -hmm. what does that look like? What do the efforts uh, to that end kind of take shape, take the shape of? I, I am wondering, people have like, made jokes about it or whatever or some really lame people like on reddit have tried to actually make it a thing but like what would a criterion collection of video games look like you know sure and it's, sure it's kind of a fundamentally lame idea but it, it does become an important question i think when we have a, a medium that's obviously very widespread very far-reaching has a lot of depth like what what do you do with that what kind of categories you put them in? It's it's youth also makes it prime for reevaluation constantly because we are trying to create the canon as we go rather than having these established old classics. Rather than pushing back against something, then we have the opportunity to find uh, more diversity within the filmmakers and within the kinds of uh, movies that 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 we place there. And video games is the same thing. It's like uh, there's there. You have a lot of people who will 
argue i mean especially because video games are more universal they there's not as much uh language that you have to pick up in in video games well lead speak but also cinema is a medium where unlike literature which is so much about the words cinema is supposed to be more or less focused on the visual language and so you need to have whatever a, a subtitled film in the collection in the canon if you've never seen i don't know breathless then what are you doing here right is is sort of the consensus whereas you can be a literature buff but never having have read a lot of the great works of i don't know french uh, literature you know i mean this is just this is just an example of wokeism gone amok because now you need to read to watch movies what the hell <laughs> what's go what's going on got to read and, and watch movies. i got to know how to read in order to watch a parasite i'm going to read the movie Ugh. grown man reading a movie it's childish that's also something that i think the collection kind of fights against is sort of there is a snobbishness, of course, to creating any kind of prestigious collection of of the great works of cinema or even the most important works of cinema. Can we just say that the word criterion itself is probably one of the most annoying things that sure. the human race has ever produced? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Come on, brother. But there's also an opposite sort of snobbishness, an opposite sort of pretentiousness that says, well, well I'm not going to watch like stinking foreign language movies because they say i should because subtitles yeah. are boring and i want to watch top gun maverick or a nolan movie again or whatever it I is i want right? to watch a real red-blooded american movie like right marvel or, number two or marvel quarter three marvel quarter three 2023 marvel quarter four 2023 but really that is idiotic and that is yeah. missing out we on a lot sub, of the we are the, solidly subs not dubs on always see everything sean i gotta get you off the anime and the video games that that's the other thing is <laughs> like a little kid you <laughs> give him too much sugar like oh okay we need to take away your warheads because you're getting too hyper you're bouncing <laughs> off the walls talking about zoro from one piece that's the other thing about our uh perspective sean is i think that we have an interesting dynamic where you sort of push back against a lot of um uh, you've pushed back about against a lot of criticism you favor sort of the subjective uh experience that you have i think that i try to be a little bit objective when it comes to my viewing i definitely have my personal favorites and as we get into the collection we'll, you'll definitely see those emerge as like i love this movie i don't think it's great but i think but i think love this movie I, whereas I think that those two things being like great and being something that you love kind of blend a little bit more for you. Yeah. I mean, to me, movies, if you're not experiencing them all subjectively, you're kind of doing it wrong because images are what the language of the soul, right? Maybe music mm. you could say is more based on that because whenever sure. people, anybody tries to like put criticism to music, it like pisses me off. I thought I think there's not good and bad music, but if you like the extent of it should be, I think that this sounded good to me. I think that this sounded bad to me. If you try an Anthony Fantano, start talking about rattling hi-hats and shit, I'm sorry. That's completely childish. Sean, you are you are taking down my whole... I'm a film critic. You're taking down my whole career right here. Well, okay. I think movies, you can do a little bit more with that because you can say mise-en-scene or like that looked... You know, this this effect, look, whatever this look. But I, I think it's somewhere in between music and books, because books, mm -hmm. I think you could point specifically to, to certain things. It's a little bit more concrete, but I don't know. I'm I'm all subjectivity. I'm all about feeling things out. You know, I'm an mm -hmm. instinct type critic. 
I sure. wouldn't even call myself a critic, I guess. I think that's the core difference here is you've got the Naruto style ambition to be the greatest film critic Hokage. I do. I'm just yeah. a guy. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're telling me to, to believe it. I'm just like, you know, I'm just like a random side character. I'm like Shino. I'm just trying to make <laughs> my way in the world with my legions of bugs that I keep right. in my body. I have no great ambitions. I'm just kind of a nine to five style ninja. Fair enough. But, but I think that you re- represent a valuable aspect for this podcast because I think that, most people don't want to hear me talk about like the mise-en-scene in in the film and i'm not and i'm not super pretentious or anything like that that i know of but i i don't think people want to hear a film critic like uh, especially just you know a straight male one like rant about how uh i don't know seven samurai is like amazing without having the sort of subjective opinion of you being like but there's swords but there's like all these things right you know? right yeah you need the the counterpart of the straight in scare quote uh male um yeah, sure but yeah I, I think like ultimately i think that and my project here is to channel my subjective experience in a way that it, it it depends for me on like where in the pipeline of the movie going into my brain to the words coming out of my mouth, like where I intellectualize it. Do I intellectualize it in the process of viewing the thing or in the process of conveying what I felt about that thing? And I'm I'm kind of more in favor of the of the latter option because I like you know pretending to be smart. I think it's cool and fun because you know I just love lying. You know I'm a deceptive man, so pretending you know trying to deceive everyone that i'm intelligent that's a big part of my (laughs) life it's just about you know i want to watch the movie i want to sit down i want to strap in like a little kid on a roller coaster i want to take it all in and then i want to start you know want to want to start torturing it i i can't relate at all sean because i am a smart person i don't have to pretend so i mean that's kind of the we'll talk about it as you'll hear but the nerd jock dynamic right you're a classic nerd and i'm a classic anybody who sees me anybody (laughs) the first thing that they'll say about me you ask him is like that guy's a jock i also think that criterion as a whole has been used more for preservation although they may think of themselves or or people may think of them as the great canon of films i think it's more that it is trying to preserve what they consider the important works of cinema whether they're good works or bad works doesn't matter as much as they are important to uh cinema's history and cinema's development uh and i think that that's why uh so many people have sort of this disconnect with it where they they worship the brand too much they're like oh these are the criterion movies we should put them off to the side like my collection of i have criteria i buy criterion films i have like 50 something of them and i don't put them all off to the side together like everyone else seems to i don't put them all sort of by spine number and all that that to me seems silly um or or at least uh aesthetically pleasing over caring about with the content of the films and so i instead try to i i sort by director and auteur which is really helpful uh because i think that uh, the collection itself is very auteurist but I, I but i do that because i'm trying to worship worship but you know i'm trying to to pay respect to the filmmakers rather than than sort of uh whatever aesthetic thing that they're trying to do and so i end up mixing in my criterions with my other blu-rays which i think is heresy to some people you know to an extent that people have this perception of this type of guy that i don't know it really exists 
like the it's kind of like the the fight club dorm room poster guy where mm. everybody just kind of has this conception of like oh here's the the film bro who thinks fight club lets him you know kill women or whatever but right. it's kind of an archetype that people backfill and mix a lot of different types of annoying guy which exist and i think the criterion like worshiper who's like anything that isn't in the collection i I ain't watching it i think to Mm -hmm. an extent that's just describing like a guy who likes movies but is kind of dumb like who needs his hand held like okay i think those are actually way rarer than they think it is you know i think if you're spending that much time you're just going to by accident stumble into being you know at least a little bit more cultured than than just that but i i think that the we're starting to see kind of criterion, definitely not imitators, but kind of answers that, that can backfill a lot of the stuff. Like Arrow Video is like the criterion for like stupid bullshit. <laughs> Things called like the sword murderer or, you know, I killed and ate my 13 wives. Like shit like right. that. And I, I think that, that it's very important to have things like that coming in um, to, yeah, like backfill those spaces so that mm-hmm. it's not just you know, old, boring bullshit and criterion and occasionally a weird one where, you know, there are actually labels dedicated to, to all of that stuff. I think that's good for a lot of a lot of movie nerds, I guess. I don't know. I don't buy things ever. I just look them up on the computer. So whatever gets released on physical media is really that important to me. I'm a fully digital man. Physical media is uh, something that I find very important because I think I often will encounter the problem of loving a movie so much and then going back to my streaming service to show someone else and finding that it's gone. And so I, I buy I buy all the Criterion releases. I try to read the essays also when we will cover them uh, coming up. But uh, so you will you will get little updates on on when we cover something that I actually own as opposed to something that we watch on the Criterion channel or whatever, wherever. We if find. we were a better podcast with actual resources, we would probably buy every release of every Criterion mm. thing so we could go yep. through, here are the bonus features, here are whatever and whatever. But what we got to do is, you know, if we start making money from this, if you motherfuckers, if you fleas, if you insects, if you cockroaches offer up your... I won't even say hard-earned money because you probably don't work hard for your money. If you're <laughs> listening to this, you're probably at an email drop. You're probably a brand synergy coordinator. <laughs> you can give whatever you're making to us because right now I am debatably employed and I need a little bit more. Give it to me. I'll buy all these things. I'll read the essays. I'll look at the the pamphlets and the pictures and whatever and the commentary tracks. We will do our due diligence, but in order to make this contact this podcast good, you need to give us your money. And that's I'm not asking. I'm done asking. In all seriousness, if you would like to support the podcast, please send this episode or send this whole podcast to your friends. Uh, the best way we can we can get out there and the best way we can keep on making these mo- these episodes for you. We will be watching four movies every week, you guys. That is crazy. That's too many. I'm neglecting so many of my responsibilities to do this. And for that reason, I think that uh if you could just share this with someone else who will love it i know that the episodes are long but i promise you we have there is always gold at at the bottom of every bag and the last five minutes of every episode are really good exactly at that bar you could just skip ahead 
Sean, it's actually a little true. As 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 someone who's been editing our podcast for for a while, a bit now, even though this is our first episode or whatever, the last five minutes of our episodes tend to be where we go completely off the rails and are kind of a little loopy. Yeah, we get a little bit random. We, you know, I start holding up a spork. I start asking if I can has cheeseburger. It gets funny. Speaking of the last bit of our episode, uh, now that we have basically established what this podcast is and why we chose the Criterion Collection to start with, um, I want to uh, let part of the cult of Criterion is watching all those videos about uh, certain filmmakers and critics and people who are important in the movie industry walking into the Criterion closet and, and taking out their picks. And although every week we will be doing, we will each be choosing a movie that we will cover on a podcast in addition to going by spine number, I, I, I think that it's important to establish kind of our energy. What kind of guys are we? And so we are each what going kind to choose of guy are we are? 10 movies, maybe not our favorite movies, but 10 movies that represent sort of our uh, our tastes within the Criterion Collection. Uh, and so, Sean, enter the Criterion Closet, and you're, you're looking around there. You're doing that thing where you look very ponderously at, at the collection. You have a little uh, cloth bag over your shoulder. I'm stroking my chin. What are your picks? So, and it's unfortunate that it just has to be movies that are in the collection, but I guess if they insist, um, my first pick is going to be Walker by Alex mm. Cox, which is the most the most pissed off movie that has ever been made. It's pure spite, pure venom, pure poison, but it's also funny. Speaking of funny, Funny Games by... Michael Hanukkah, Michelle Hanukkah is what I call him. Fuck you. It's it's a one of the most beautiful meta commentaries I've ever seen on just the pure megalomania and spite and insane. I have you. I keep using spite. I, I yeah, you like, like spiteful films. I do. I really, really do. But the megalomania um, and just absolute insanity and antisocial aspect of just being any kind of artist. Uncut Gems is next. More recent one, more recent guy. I think this is the only one I'm talking about here, at least, that I've seen in theaters. I really wanted to know what it would be like to live in hell. And I can experience that now through the eyes of Adam Sandler, which I'm very glad for. Next, we got Mulholland Drive. So the the David Lynch question is going to be an important aspect as we go on here. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've got differing opinions here. I'm Lynch positive. Um, I've never understood a single fucking thing he's ever done, Mulholland Drive least of all, but it's just about ladies having fun, you know, hanging out, doing girl stuff. And part of this podcast is going to be covering specific filmmakers. We will do little mini series that are us covering the complete filmographies within the collection, of course, of certain uh, auteur directors that we that we in particular really like we're not going to do it for every director obviously every director has a ton of movies in the collection that that we can't get all the way through but um for some of our favorite ones i think that we're gonna we're gonna try to make sure that we get all of them in there sort of in one big miniseries group realistically the podcast itself is just kind of a macro director profile on kurosawa because every (laughs) single one of that motherfucker every like loose toenail clipping of akira kurosawa's (laughs) is venerated by the fucking criterion collection yeah i think that loose toenail clipping number seven is 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 number 17 actually i think it's a spine number i mean he really like his his understanding of use of color just like exploded in that one in, speaking of Japanese and samurai, uh, we've got Harakiri. This is standing in for every single samurai movie about death 
and honor and in a way nihilism. There's a lot of those. We're going to be talking quite mm. a bit about those pretty much instantly and throughout yep. the entirety of the podcast. It just it keeps coming up. And this is an insane one. It, I'm very excited when we get to it. Um, right. On a little bit of a different note, we've got Ghost World because I needed a little bit of a girl one in there. Well, Holland Drive is kind of a girl one, but David Lynch himself is a boy one. Ghost World, complete girl one, top to bottom. Next, we've got Andrei Tarkovsky's Mirror, which is, it is about death, but instead of an Asiatic Japanese perspective, it is, we finally get to see the Slavic mind churning away at the human condition. Next, we've got Thief, because it's about an awesome guy, and that's what I like. We have a lot of movies like that, Sean, where you just choose, these are movies that we choose as our picks that are just about cool guys doing cool stuff. Yeah, it's the best subject for any movie. Mm. Okay, what if in what if a guy was awesome? Was, <laughs> like that's that's the perfect premise for any movie. What if the coolest thing ever happened? I would want to mm. watch that movie. Next, we got Do the Right Thing. I'm a big Spike Lee fan. He's one of my favorite guys because he's just a little he's just a little weirdo in general. But he's also a great artist. He puts together some good films and Do the Right Thing. You know, it's got all the the great racial stuff and whatever it is, you know, it's this, this, and this, but it's really just a movie about hanging out and how cool mm. it is to hang out with your friends. And finally, we've got M from 1930, whatever to show that, Hey, I can also like old boring movies. Some of them are good. I this love them. I love them. I don't think M's it's boring so fucking good. M is M the rules. one that it, it's not boring at all. I was capping, but the, that's one of those that I, I saw, you know, in my class in film school that we went to. I mean, not mm. in film school, but, you know, a, a school that, you know, had it, it had it contained a film school within it and a couple classes I took there. And that was um, that was one we watched, I don't know, like four or five times. And I really never got tired of it, which is probably as much of a testament to a movie as you could ever. I think also part of our fascination with the collection. I meant said fascination. That's saying it. Part of our fascination with the collection is also our irreverence for it. Although I, I definitely love the idea of a canon and we can talk about sort of some of the great works of cinema. And I will I will continue to espouse some of the value of these movies. At the same time, I think that it, we also both can 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 laugh at ourselves and laugh at these movies a little bit to be like and then stinking this i uh, can you imagine how many stinking samurai movies we're gonna have to watch over this next seven years uh, of of criterion films uh, or the number of times we're gonna have to be like and it's it's one of those it's a girl one or whatever <laughs> That's mostly what we'll be doing is we'll be sorting we'll be sorting these movies into gendered categories. Oh my That's gosh. really the entire let's, premise let's of the podcast. <laughs> that no, we, we will, won't be doing that. That we'll be canceled after episode three. <laughs> well, there's a few reasons for that. There's a I mean, I don't know if you've gone back and edited it yet, but I think in episode three especially, there's some things that I say. I think that's, that's not true. Two? It's probably fine. Let's leave the listeners to to find out. I'm go for my picks as Strap I watch. In. 
as I walk into the Criterion closet, I notice uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, a very recent film in the collection. I own it. One of my favorites. Love it. Old school uh, sort of screwball is is kind of my thing. And you're not a big fan, but whatever. Uh, for no, sort sure. of philosophy and because Richard Linklater is probably my favorite director, at least at the moment. Uh, bef- the Before Trilogy, I'm counting them as one. They got one spine number. I put it all together and I, I walk out with that. Uh, it's one of people's uh, very basic films to get into the, uh, to get into the collection, and it was how I got into the collection. Broadcast news, bringing the comedy in there, uh, sort of an intelligent comedy. Chunking Express, a film that I I just love, and I don't know how to intellectualize because I love it so much. I'm excited to get to that one. I would take the whole Wong Kar Wai box set if I could. But Shankar King Express and In the Mood for Love are the only two that we will be covering at because it's, they are the only two that have spine numbers. And Chunking Express just transcends I, like my brain, like my critical thinking malfunctions when watching that movie. I've only seen one Wong Kar Wai movie, and I want you to try and guess which one it is. It's is the it the like most Blueberry Nice? One. Oh, is it In the Mood for Love? No, it's The Grandmaster. Because it's the only one about guys having awesome fights. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It was It was okay. I'm a lot more excited to see the rest of his. Because the, the thing is that the awesome fights were like the best part of it. In mm-hmm. a way that I don't think does justice to, to, to Big Wong's whole thing. So I'm not going to take that as, as, you know, a full determination of what he's capable of. I think he can get higher. I am not a huge Wong Kar Wai fan until I saw Chunking Express, and then now I say I'm a Wong Kar Wai fan, having only seen In the Mood for Love and Chunking Express. That's fine. <laughs> uh, Daisies is my next pick. Also a recent addition to the collection, although it had existed in Eclipse series before. It's the It recently got a spine number. Daisies is my chaotic side where, you know, you talk about spiteful movies. I don't think this movie is spiteful. I think it is playful. And it's goofy. ridiculously goofy and silly about itself. And I it, I love magical realism and all that kind of thing. And, and Daisy's scratches that itch for me. Uh, a film school watch, actually, initially, and one that has stayed with me a lot. Francis Ha is my next pick. Very recent film. Uh, I, and one I, I love and watch every once in a while as sort of a Whenever I'm having a a bad time in my life, I'll I'll put on Francis Ha because I think that it uh, is ultimately life affirming in a way that doesn't seem unrealistic. Uh, the Katsi trilogy is is my next pick again. Same box set. I'm 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 taking the whole thing. Katsi trilogy. I I like all of them, which is something that is rare. I like all three of them. I don't think the last one is bad. In fact, I think it's better that I think Nikoya Katsi is better than Pawakatsi, which is an insane opinion. I know, uh, but I, we will definitely get into it. Uh, it's just a good time, man. And I am, that is probably the one I'm most interested to watch for this podcast with like, kind of with you, Sean, to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to check out the Katsi trilogy, even if I can't pronounce a damn single one of them. Um, that's a joke. I can actually pronounce all of them very easily. I just want to put a line in the sand. We're going to watch a lot of foreign films. People make such a big deal about how hard things are to pronounce. We are never mm-hmm. going to pronounce a single name or Correct. title wrong yes. in the entire thing. I'm not joking. If I do... We might both say the opposite things, but both pronunciations are correct. You guys are the ones who are wrong. No. I mean, you, you're you trying to 
think that I'm playing around here. I'm not fucking playing. All right, Sean. May God strike me down if I pronounce a single thing wrong. Because if I the don't first know, we- movie we I'll cover is the Grand up. Illusion, and you go Le Illusion Grand. <laughs> French is not a real language, and I can pronounce it however <laughs> I damn well please. We both Next pronounce movie. Wong Kar Wai's name differently yeah well how about we make our wong car way to your next pick in the closet the royal tenenbaums is a very basic pick but i had to put it there i love the royal tenenbaums it's so funny and uh putting wes anderson on there is uh, as one of the auteurs i mean like lynch if you like david lynch you probably like the criterion collection in the same way if you like wes anderson you've probably at least heard of the criterion collection and, and tried to get into it uh i own all his movies uh, from the Criterion Collection, and he's amazing. Some Like It Hot, Billy Wilder, old school, black and white comedy, probably the funniest one, and I I, I, I am so excited to cover it. I don't have anything to say other than it's just really funny, and I love Billy Wilder. I love that sort of... I, I talked about uh, film as a visual medium, but I this is a advocation for writing as an important part of film. And finally... My number one, one of the movies that I think is one of the greatest of all time is The Tree of Life. Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life. I, we will talk about Terrence Malick all the time. I'm a Malick boy. That's like my my dude in the Criterion Collection. And uh, Tree of Life is his masterpiece. And we will see if it is maybe one of the best films in the collection as a whole as we get into seeing absolutely everything. We're going to be ranking them. We're going to be putting them against each other, and we're going to tell you once and for all which one's the most gooder. That's going to be the end of our uh, podcast for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on all kinds of platforms. In fact, subscribe if you can to our podcast on multiple platforms, and uh, try to get more. We'll try to get more listeners in there. Please uh, go to anthonyreviews.com. We are part of the Anthony Reviews Network. Go to anthonyreviews.com for uh, updates on what's going on and also uh, other movie reviews. I don't have a website. Uh, and uh, as always, we are going to end by two, doing two things. This is something new that w- this is something we don't usually do. Sean, would you like to describe why we call the podcast Always See Everything? I, I don't believe that because, um, you know, we're breaking the timeline a little bit. We're going memento style. Mm. We're, we're recording this after episode five, was it? Something like episode we're, five. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going back to lay the groundwork a little bit. I don't believe we decide on the name until... Or one or two episodes. Between ever. episode two, one and two. In episode one, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, as Ghost Dog meets up with the Riza of the Wu-Tang Clan. Power and equality. Always see everything, my brother. And we shall. And we will. We will watch, as, as Sean and I have, have said in later episodes, we are going to watch every movie that's ever existed, but we're starting with the Criterion Collection. Yeah, may as well, right? Right, right. May as well. All right, and uh, as always, we end by naming this episode. Sean, you have a you have a pick for that. Well, we can go birth by sleep. Oh, sleep.